0: Hello and welcome to Evergreen Church Sermon Podcasts. Tune in every week for our sermon series on prayer. We continue the sermon series about prayer with episode 6, David's Prayer Journal. Shields up. Well, the screen says welcome, so I guess I'm supposed to say welcome. Welcome to God's house today. Hey, as we get started, I'd like to read out of Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. Oh, the depths are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Powerful, powerful words. Well, well I don't know about you, but uh, this sermon series in uh, going through Psalms, looking at some of uh, David's um, uh, psalms that were really prayers that he was going through have been uh, very very helpful for me it 's been uh, it 's been enjoyable and challenging at times um, um, going through these because they all speak to me just like they they speak to you, and I like to think of these prayers as something to put in your in your toolbox. Uh, we may not be going through a situation today that needs this particular tool, but there will come a time when you do need it, and you need to have our you need and I need to have my tool our toolboxes uh, full to the brim with appropriate tools. And these are prayers that can be very very helpful. So today we're in Psalm three, and I'd like to pray for us as we come to this psalm. Let's pray. The title that's in the NIV, which is not in the original text. Lord says, save me, oh my God. Oh, Lord, there are times when we feel as though we are surrounded. We're going to read here in just a moment of how David felt. And there's going to be times when we as individuals or we as a church or we as Christians might feel under attack. And that we can cry out to you like King David cried out to you. And we can have the confidence that you will hear us as you heard him. And so, be with us as we hear your word read, bring it alive in our lives, Holy Spirit, and we hear your word preached. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. O oh Lord, how many are my foes? That's not a question mark, that's an exclamation mark. Oh Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek, and you break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Selah. I've shared the story before um, about back in the day, I need to think of back in the day, uh, when we lived in Moses Lake. I was one of the police chaplains over in Moses Lake, and um, the assistant chief went to our church. And uh, his name was Dean. And uh, as a chaplain, you'd ride along. You'd, you'd ride on Friday night, you'd start at 9 o'clock. Of course, Friday night's the fun night. And uh, it's too boring if it was be middle of the week. And you ride until you know 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. Depends on what all happens. And um, you're not there um, to counsel other people. You're there f- primarily to be with the police officers, because they have such a stressful job. And Friday night is the most stressful nights. And many of them have marriage challenges and stuff like that. So you're there for the police officers, but you're also there if there's other needs for you. But here's the deal. You look like a police officer. I had a shirt just like the police officer wore. I had an insignia on my insignia on the side that said Moses like Police Department. So, there's um, that. Uh, I had dark pants like what they had on. No gun. And um, and where they have a shield, and the shield that they had didn't really protect them. That badge is called a shield. And. Um, David says, "O oh Lord, but you, O oh Lord, are a shield about me." No, their shield was really tiny, and so um, and as a chaplain, instead of having that nice little shield that says I'm a police officer, I had a cross that said I was a police chaplain. And uh, we got to talking. I was talking with one of the other chaplains, and I was talking with Dean, the, the assistant chief. And I said, "Dean, on a Friday night when we're out there, we look just like a police officer." And that shield doesn't really protect you. And all of your officers, they wear what used to be called bulletproof vests, they now call body armor. They all wear body armor. And we don't have it. And when it's dark at 11 o'clock on Friday night, they can't tell that I don't have a gun and that I'm not a police officer. They can't see this little cross. And uh, And he said, well, Lance, the department buys them their body armor and um, we don't have the money to buy our chaplains body armor." He goes, but however, when they leave our department, they're required to leave their body armor that we've purchased because we own it. So there are some, some pairs, some sets that are down, downstairs. If you'd like one, I'll get one, because there's a guy who was bigger than you, and you can have his body armor. said, please. And so from that point on, whenever I was out on a Friday night or called out during the week, I put on a shield. I put on body armor. Now, I was never shot. There were no shootings around me. But one time, um, the, uh, Grant County, the city only goes so far. The, there's the, the, where the airport is used to be a base, and there's 1,000 or 1,500 people live out there, and that's in the county and um, a county officer was out there and he ended up on a in a foot pursuit i mean the guy was in a car i think it was stolen ditched the car was on foot pursuit and our deputy our you know our our deputies you know uh, assisted well the, the the bad guy pulled out a gun and shot the the sheriff's deputy now to use terms that they're not bad terms but were used in dealing with our police officers with that, they said, Lance, he was a cowboy. What that meant was he didn't think he could be hurt. And while our police department required body armor, the county did not. And this guy had refused to wear body armor because I'm a man, I don't need body armor. The only reason he's alive is he got shot with a 22 caliber. He got hit m- mid-core. If that had been a 40 caliber semi-automatic or a, th- a 357 Magnum or anything like that, he would have been dead. As it was, he underwent surgery and he lived. The sheriff's department, within a month, required body armor for all of their deputies. The question for us is. How do you and I experience the shield of God around us, the body armor around us so that we can be protected? God has a shield that he wants to put around you and he wants to put around me. And... It is there, and it is available for us. And I think, though, that there are times when we really have to be like David and cry out and say, God, put your shield around me. It doesn't mean that he hasn't already, but sometimes we have not because we ask not, or maybe we don't feel it. Um, if we look in, in Ephesians chapter 6, which we will hear in just a second, it's going to talk about put on the armor of God. So there's something there in the text that seems to say we need to ask somehow, or we need to make sure that it's on, or we need to be right with God so that it'll happen. So I'm going to talk about that shield that God puts around you. He has a supernatural protection that he can use around you and around me. We may not see it. We may not feel it. We may not even believe it. But if you love Christ, he can put a supernatural protection around you. Warren just shared something in our small group this morning. They were said one time they were running late for some place and they were about an hour late or something like that, and if they would have been right on time, they got to this point, and there would have been a big accident there. Could they have been in that accident and God shielded them from that by causing them to be a little late. We will never know how many times God's supernatural protection has been there. I know someone who was in a situation that they thought was very, very dangerous, and they didn't know what to do, and they cried out to God, and all of a sudden there was a person there that, that, that caused peace to be there them. And then they turned around and the person was gone. God provides supernatural shields and protection for us. But also, God uses other Christians, our brothers and sisters in Christ, to be His shield of protection for us. So, Yes, supernaturally, but he causes other believers to be a protection for you, and he uses you to be a supernatural protection for other believers. So it's it's not just God doing stuff, but God using all that is at his disposal to protect those who are his. Now, you may say, "Well, there are Christians who die." Absolutely, there's Christians who get killed for their faith. Absolutely, no place in Scripture to say that that's not going to happen. But yet, God knows the bigger picture, and He does protect us, and He asks us to call out to Him. From Ephesians chapter six, if you're not familiar with the passage, Paul wrote these words: "Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength in the strength of His might." "...put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For you do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm." Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, and in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, and with all prayers and supplications, and to that end keep alert." with all perseverance. The police officers I knew always came dressed for the battle, unless they were undercover. And that didn't happen very often. We as followers of Christ, we need to be prepared for the battle and we need to understand the protection that God has for us. And why do we need that? We need to understand a little bit about the attacks that are going to happen. Ultimately, behind all of the attacks, spiritual attacks, that come your way or come my way, Satan is the one who is ultimately behind all of those attacks. Ultimately, he is the one. Those attacks can have a spiritual component, but they can also have a physical component component as well. And so we have to be aware of those, but ultimately it is a spiritual battle that then fleshes itself out in the physical. I want to talk about spiritual attacks first off. Um, there will be times when you personally will be having a spiritual attacks. Now what in the world is that going to look like? I don't know what it's going to look like for you. Um, I don't even know sometimes what it's gonna look like for me, but I do know that there are some times when I wake up at night, not very often, but I can sense that there is evil outside the house someplace. It's not a person, I can't explain it. And in the name of Christ, tell it to leave and it's gone. I don't know what the, the personal attacks towards each of us is going to be, but oftentimes it's going to be in an area of our weakness. And that's where the area of attack is going to come. And let's talk about the strategy of why Satan does what he does. Satan has a, ba- has a battle plan, and his battle plan goes like this. Keep a person from knowing Jesus. That's first and foremost. And he's going to do everything he can do in someone's life to to have that happen. Don't let them know Jesus. That's his number one thing. His number two thing is, is once a person has come to know Christ, is neutralize them. Neutralize them in terms of their spiritual growth, and neutralize them in terms of their leading other people to Christ and being a witness for Christ. His game plan is really simple. Now, if you watch the football game this afternoon, each side has a game plan on the offense, and they have a game plan on the defense, and they've got a game plan for special teams, and yet we, as Christians, we don't even think of Satan having a game plan. He has a game plan against you, and he has a game plan against me. And so we just have to realize that he has a game plan in this. And if you don't know Christ, his game plan is to keep you from knowing Christ. And if you know Christ, his game plan is to neutralize you as best he possibly can. So, anyhow, what do we do? What do we do? Put on the full armor of God. Belt of truth. Jesus is the truth. We have to know scripture. We have to know the truth. We have to know Jesus the truth. The breastplate of righteousness is Christ's righteousness, because I don't have righteousness and neither do you. We need to put that on because he's going to shoot, Satan's going to shoot for your heart, and he's going to say, You're such a scumball sinner. Or he's going to have you think, Well, I'm not that bad. But the point is, there's one sin. Poisons the whole thing. We need to know that the righteousness we have is from Christ. I like this. For our feet, they have to be fitted with the readiness given by the gospel of peace. We've got to be ready to go and do what Christ wants us to do. We need the shield of faith. You need to be a man or woman of strong faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We've got to know the Word. And we have to pray. That is just getting ready for the battle. That isn't even being a part of the battle yet. So how in the world does Satan tend to to also mess with us in terms of us as individuals and us as a church? And I'm not talking about necessarily this church. I'm just talking about every church is under attack. I'd only been here for about a year or two, and I was talking with someone who was here, and and the person's um, long since gone, and and they'd been here, and he was telling me a story. He goes, he and another guy at the church somehow had gotten sideways. They don't even, didn't even remember what what had happened. Ladies, in case you didn't know, there's two urinals in the men's bathroom. And it is is socially unacceptable, generally, to talk to a person uh, who is standing at the other urinal. I mean, you can maybe say hi or something like that, but not much more. Just like it's socially unacceptable to talk to the person in the next stall. But anyhow, these two guys that were not really talking to each other, were battling, ended up standing at at the two urinals at the same time. And they got done. They were getting ready to wash their hands. They looked at each other, and they said... This is really stupid. They couldn't even really remember what had set it off. But it had caused tension between the two of them and, by extension, other people as well. How does Satan battle and attack a church like this one in order to, to stop our growth, um, our growth, as people in Christ, but also as we reach out to other people. I want you to say this. The people of this church are my brothers and sisters in Christ and would not knowingly hurt me. I had to learn that early on in my ministry. The people of this church are brothers and sisters in Christ and they would not knowingly hurt me. What Satan is going to do is he's going to take things that you have said that you meant well, and you're not even gonna know that Satan used that and someone else heard something or they heard it differently, and they get hurt. That has happened dozens and dozens of times in the ministries that I've been a part of. And and sometimes I've talked with people, and I said, I I didn't mean to hurt them. And sometimes I've talked to people who've been, who've been really hurt. I can remember back in Moses Lake, and I, again, somehow, I, I didn't mean to hurt them. And here's the mantra. The people who worship with me are my brothers and sisters in Christ, and they would never mean to hurt me intentionally. Satan wants to, to pull us apart And he's going to do everything that he can possibly do. So those are words. So what that means is, remember where Scripture says that we need to be quick to listen and slow to what? Speak. I don't put my foot in my mouth unless my mouth is moving. Sometimes we just need to not say very much and just be really thinking when we say things and listen to other people and say things that build people up. Um, Because Satan just loves to get in and stir the pot. And we don't mean to do things, but every now and then I do something that hurts someone. I, I never mean to do it, but I know that I do. And I probably say things that I shouldn't and I don't mean to. But isn't it amazing how Satan takes something that's really little like that and just blows it apart, blows it apart? I've seen churches literally implode. A pastor and an elder at a church got crosswise just a little bit. And that little crosswise caused seven families to leave leave the church, and ultimately for the pastor to leave as well. It took over 10 years for that church to heal. That church is now vibrant, has grown to be three to four times the size that it was, and it was always around a couple hundred people. They're worshiping about seven or 800 people now. But it was horrible, and it was something that wasn't even all that important. But Satan got in there and just things just shredded, just shredded. Pray that God would protect churches like us, like the Covenant Church, Emmanuel Baptist. You know, we need to pray that God's shield of protection would be over churches and the people of churches and the people of our life, of our own church and our own lives. The other way to really battle, if you, if you take a look at um, the text from Ephesians, the way to battle Satan is with our prayer life, with our devotional life, and that includes our knowing God's word. We have to keep those things active and strong in order to be able to fight off all of the attacks with the armor that God has given us. Sometimes the attacks are just really, really tiny. Um, I know for me, uh, one of the the big attacks is when when I start spending time in in deep personal prayer, I can guarantee you that a dog's going to start barking, my telephone's going to ring, I'm going to get a text that's going to go beep, beep, or something like that. I can almost guarantee it. And because there's a there's a thing that's built inside of me as a pastor that I just feel like it could be an emergency. I need to check it. And sometimes it's just an ad. It's Satan trying to keep me from doing what I need to do. And the same thing's going to happen with you. Now, sometimes the attacks can turn actually physical. Sometimes people can have... Bad things happen and that that they get physically abused or verbally abused or something like that. I don't want to downplay that because that is very, very serious. But when that happens or if that happens to you, I want you to remember, first and foremost, this is a spiritual attack. Geared at you, the other person may or may not know it's a spiritual attack. And just pray for God's presence in the midst of that. Hopefully God will bring you through it and everything will be fine. But sometimes that doesn't happen. And when that happens, I just remember um, the, um, the Coptic Christians over in Egypt a few years ago. There was about 11 of them that were beheaded. And they were each given a chance to renounce Jesus. And when one would say no, they cut off his head. they go to the next person, uh, renounce Jesus and accept Muhammad. No cut off his head momentary fear and trembling instantly with Christ so it looks like a loss here on earth is ultimately as Paul says is my ultimate gain I just want us to be aware that the battle goes on continually around you and around me 24 hours a day we may not see it But Satan is always working on a plan to neutralize you, always. So just be smart. Be wise. Be prayerful. Be in the Word. Call out, O Lord, you are a shield about me. You are my glory and the lifter of my head. I cry to you, and you answer me from your holy hill. Notice, I laid down and I slept and I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. He will take you through the battle, allow you rest, and sustain you. And we do not need to be afraid. As David says, I will not be afraid of many thousands who have set themselves against us ought to pray for us, that we're ready for battle, not looking to fight, but looking to fight off the evil one as he attacks us, and also to shield other people, to shield other people. That's part of your calling as a follower of Christ. If you read all of the things in in the armor of God, there is no protection for the back, and that's because your brother or sister You form a circle. Protect your back. When you leave here today, know that we've got your back and that you've got our back. And we're going to fight this spiritual battle spiritually first. And if it manifests itself in the physical, then we'll fight it in the physical. But we're going to cry out to God in our time of need, but be prepared before that time of need. In just a second, we're going to close with a, a song that's called More Love, More Power, and then we've added in uh, How Great Thou Art. It's one of the songs that we sing. More love, more power, more of you in my life. More love, more power, more of you in my life. That's what we need. We need to experience God's power in our lives, and then we turn right around and say, I will worship you with all my heart, my mind, my strength, for you are my Lord. And then from that, um, we talk about how great God is. I want you to know if you're under battle right now, if you're under attack right now, call out, call out, and say, Lord, be my shield right now. I want to pray for us, especially for people who might feel as though they're under attack right now. Father, David was under spiritual attack as well as physical attack. And for him, the physical part was terrifying, so many people looking to kill him. But he recognized that it was also a spiritual attack. And Lord, so often we don't recognize that we're in a battle and that Satan is trying everything that he can do to defeat us to help us not know you, Jesus, to help us to be, um, he wants us to be ineffective and to, to be neutralized. And you have given us all that we need to be able to withstand that. We pray, Lord Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would give Us more love and more power to love you and to love one another, especially brothers and sisters in Christ, that we can be supportive of them no matter what's going on in their lives. And then in the midst of all that, we're going to worship you for who you are. Lord, we just thank you for that. I want to pray, especially right now, if there's anybody who feels as though they're under spiritual attack, Lord, be their shield be their body armor, be their armor of God. Lord, if they need scripture verses, bring the scripture verse to mind. They don't even need to know the reference. Holy Spirit, be there powerfully for them right now that you would see them through. And Lord, we just want to continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, not only in our church here, but around the globe that you would help us to be in this incredible spiritual battle that we're battling side by side, not against each other. We're battling the forces of Satan that manifest themselves in this world, not against each other. We're protecting one another as a part of your shield. And so, Lord, we need your power. We need your love. Oh, please grant it to us even now. it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Have a great week fighting spiritual battles with the strength of the Lord. Next week, we will continue with David's prayer journal. Thank you for joining us today.